Welcome back to the 49ers You've Got Mill podcast sponsored by Manscaped. Kiana Martin joined by NBC Sports Bay Area's 49ers insider, Matt Mayoko, to discuss everything that has transpired over the last couple of weeks in previewing the 49ers Week 10 matchup against the New Orleans Saints. Matt, <laughs> I, I think I have to start this by giving a little bit of a backstory of what happened last week. Is that okay? That is okay. But I also want to tell you that if we're really going to talk about everything that's transpired over the past couple of weeks, then <laughs> I think our weekend is shot because <laughs> we're going to, this will take like several days to go through. We are going to to power through this. We're, we're going to fast forward and try to go through this as quickly as we can because it's been a lot. It's been a, a, a crazy, um, unprecedented last couple of weeks for the 49ers. But I want to start with last week. Last week, myself and Matt were on a podcast and we're literally in the middle of recording. And that's when news broke that uh, there was a positive test among the 49ers locker room, causing the facility to shut down, forcing several players to miss that Thursday night game. Uh, literally, Matt and I are in the middle of a conversation. We just have to stop and, and literally shut down production. And we're going right to uh, getting some content out, um, updating everybody on what was going on. Uh, how, let's Let's see how we can break this down. So we had four players going on the COVID list, Debo Samuel, uh, Kendrick Bourne, Brandon Ayuk, Trent Williams, um, and they were sorely missed against the Packers. Now, Kendrick Bourne is back on that list, but the 49ers are getting Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Trent Williams back ahead of Sunday's game. Um, Matt, what do we make of just all of this news that came out last week, and, and how do we expect, do we expect, a better offensive showing against new Orleans getting some of these guys back this week. Yeah. I mean, what, what we can make out of this is that it, we don't know what to make out of this. Right. I know I don't know what to make out of this because there are so many unknowns in just society as a whole and let alone football. Uh, you know, when you're trying to play football during a pandemic, there's going to be a lot of unforeseen circumstances and that's, what everybody was saying from Richard Sherman to Kyle Shanahan to Fred Warner to Jimmy Garoppolo to George. I mean, it didn't matter. John Lynch, everybody was talking in those days about, you know, when we, when we first started discussing this in late July, early August was that the team that did the best job of handling the unknowns and the uncertainties were going to be the team best set up to have success this year. So, you know, with Kendrick Bourne, for example, you're talking about a positive test followed by multiple negative tests, which means he's now off COVID and then a positive test, he goes back on and then more negative tests. And so as we're taping this, there seems to be a pretty decent chance that Kendrick Bourne will be available for the game on Sunday against the Saints. But what we also probably have more confidence in is saying that Brandon Ayuk will be available, Trent Williams will be available for that game, and then if Debo Samuel's hamstring is okay, he would be available for the game. So just right there, when you're talking about your left tackle, one of the best in the game, when you're talking about a guy that's quickly become your number one receiver, I think that automatically puts Nick Mullins and the 49ers offense in a better situation heading into this game against the New Orleans Saints. The downside, of course, for the 49ers trying to get their offense going against the Saints mm -hmm. 
is that New Orleans is playing some really good football. And Exhibit A was Sunday night, the game that they're coming off of, where they're facing a, a pretty good Tampa Bay offense with Tom Brady and company, and the Saints shut them down. And likewise, the Tampa Bay defense is a pretty good defense, and the New Orleans offense just ran through them like they were providing no resistance. So, yes, the 49ers are getting some people back, but no, the challenge does not get any easier going to New Orleans. I want to detail this matchup in just a bit, but I want to talk about another potential return of a player, and we're not 100% sure if he will make it back. He's being eased back into the fold, and that's Richard Sherman. We haven't seen him since week one of the season, went on IR with that calf injury, had suffered a setback uh, in his return, but the 49ers opened his practice window earlier this week after missing eight games. It hasn't been determined yet if he will be on hand against the Saints. Kyle Shanahan said he's eyeing more so that Week 12 uh, matchup against the Rams after the bye week. But he said, leave it up to Dr. Sherm is what he called him. His own prognosis probably begs to differ. But uh, whether it is this week, whether it is in Week 12 against the Rams, how do you expect that position to work out with Richard Sherman making his way back, in particular, and particularly with the way that Jason Verrett has been performing as of late. Well, it's a good problem for the 49ers to have when you're this late into the season and you've had as many injuries as you've had to be able to choose, you know, between several guys who are worthy of starting and knowing that one of those guys won't be a starter. One of those guys will be on the sideline during the game I mean, that's, that's a, a, a situation the 49ers will relish because it's so much the opposite of what they've experienced throughout this season. But, yeah, I, maybe they ease Sherman back in, uh, try to manage his snaps. You know, it's been two months since he's played. But more than likely, you know, when he comes back and he's ready to play, he will play all the time. Uh, I just can't envision them taking Jason Verrett off the field at this point. He's played so well. Uh, Pro Football Focus announced their midseason All-Pro team, and Jason Verrett was the first-team cornerback on that team, a guy that, according to their records, there have been four games where he has surrendered 10 or fewer yards passing. Yeah. So that tells you right there that Jason Verrett is playing at an all-time high level, a guy that you know, has not played a lot of football in the last few years because of injuries. So that kind of leaves Emmanuel Mosley kind of kind of twisting in the wind a little bit. And I know the 49ers believe that he's a starting caliber cornerback. He's had some pretty difficult assignments here in recent weeks, uh, most notably that game against DK Metcalf. Um, but, you know, the 49ers are in a spot now where they have to make some decisions at the end of the season. And their biggest decisions – and maybe their most difficult decisions will come at the cornerback positions because of all the guys they have on their 53-man roster, practice squad, you name it, they don't have any cornerback in the building who is under contract for next season. Right. Mosley is uh, scheduled to be a restricted free agent, so he's theoretically the guy who will be the easiest to retain. But when you look at Jason Verrett and the year he's having uh, – you know, if he continues playing at this level, there are going to be some teams who are going to be interested in signing him. 
uh, Richard Sherman, uh, seeing how he you know, how he ends the season. There there could be some teams who feel like they're on the verge of some greatness, and we'll be looking to add a veteran who can step in, and they don't have to worry about. So, uh, you know, it's it's a it's kind of an odd position for the 49ers to have nobody at a position, a very important position that they can count on being on the field for the 2021 season. But all that will be determined at a later date. And right now it's just, you know, figuring out how to best uh, maneuver this team and, and keep the team in playoff contention through 2020. A good problem for the 49ers to have, but they will have a lot of questions to answer uh, in later on down the line. But uh, looking at right now, this one's not really a good problem to have, and it's because we haven't had a chance to talk about it, but we're going to uh, just dabble in it a little bit here. But 49ers now without their star tight end and their starting quarterback, George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo, both likely to miss a good chunk of time, uh, potentially the rest of the season, depending on how the rest of the year goes. Um, but just to chat about it with you, how big of a loss, we'll start off with George Kittle, but how big of a loss is it to lose your your top offensive weapon uh, in George Kittle? Well, it's it's huge because it has – basically an impact, a negative impact on three areas of the team. And, you know, we all know that he's their best pass catcher. So it hurts the 49ers in the passing game um, by either uh, just the production that he brings to a team, but also the coverage that has to be directed his way, which opens things up for other guys. So that's an area where it hurts him. It also hurts their running game because not only is he the team's best pass catcher, he's also one of the team's best run blocker. And we'll throw the offensive lineman in that mix too. That's how good he is. He's basically a sixth offensive lineman when it comes to the running game. So it hurts him on those two levels. And then there's that intangible area, the leadership and what he brings from an emotional standpoint, the energy he provides. In this season of all seasons, it's more important than ever to provide your own energy because you don't have the fans out there kind of pumping life into the stadium. So you have to bring it on your own. You have to be a self-starter. And George Kittle's a self-starter. So, I mean, it really it really hurts the team on, on pretty much every imaginable level to not have George Kittle out there on the field. Yeah, absolutely. And aside from Kittle, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo 49ers got positive news. Uh, The quarterback will not need to undergo surgery uh, in the next couple of weeks, meaning there's a potential for a return. I believe the time frame is four to six weeks, which would bring him back um, at the very near the end of the season. But with Garoppolo out for at least the next few weeks, just from what you've picked up, how confident is this team in Nick Mullins? Well, I mean, they they don't view him in the same way they view Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I think probably Nick, you know, there's kind of a smaller margin of error for Nick. And, you know, we saw earlier in the season where Nick had been playing some pretty good football. You know, he, he stepped in at the end of the 2018 season and, and did some really good things. And then when Garoppolo went out earlier in the year, his first start, Nick Mullen's first start was against the Giants. And he throws for 343 yards and the 49ers roll to that 
victory. And then the next week, uh, he did not look good against the Eagles, and he was benched. So in the week after that, C.J. Beathard replaced him on the depth chart as the number two guy. So it kind of makes you think that, yeah, I guess the leash is shorter for Nick Mullins. And, you know, is it they don't have the confidence to give him a little bit more run with, uh, you know, when he's going through a rough patch or do they think so highly of C.J. Beathard or are their styles a little bit different where, you know, the reason the change was made was because maybe the style of play that Beathard brings to the table uh, gives the 49ers or gave the 49ers better opportunities against the teams they're facing. So, I mean, that's kind of a long way of saying that I, I just don't know. I think Nick has to be one of those guys who is continually proving himself. And if he has a bad game or a bad stretch within a game, your mind always goes back to, well, you know, after all, he was an undrafted free agent. You know, he, he uh, every team passed on him at least seven times. And I, I do know that, you know, Kyle Shanahan does have a high opinion of C.J. Beathard. So I guess that's something to kind of keep an eye on is that, you know, if Nick Mullins falters or things just aren't going well, the offense isn't clicking. Uh, Kyle Shanahan did say that, that Nick Mullins is firmly the team starter, but, you know, when it comes to it during the course of a game, I just wonder if there isn't a part of Nick Mullins who's looking over his shoulder and wondering if, you know, if, if he's going to be replaced at some point by C.J. Beathard if things start to go south. Manscaped is the official below-the-waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. Well, as we're looking ahead to this Sunday's game, the the biggest question that we've gotten in, in our You've Got Mail podcast, everyone wants to know about playoffs. <laughs> That's the question. The postseason is the, is it still a is it still a chance that the 49ers can make the playoffs? And I'll give my answer, and then I'll let you uh, tell me what you think. But my answer, and I'm clearly, I believe it's yes, and that all begins with Sunday. I the playoffs have expanded to this year to seven teams. There's an idea floating around of potentially opening it up to 18 or eight teams if uh COVID forces uh certain teams to miss games. Um but again, I believe it all begins with this Sunday 49ers would need to get ahead of this at least split these last two games against the Packers and the Saints um going into their bye to sit at 500, but Matt would like to know your take. Are the playoffs realistic? for this 49ers team? Well, I mean, they're realistic because at four and five, they're very much in the mix. And obviously their, their chances would increase if uh, the playoffs are increased to eight teams per conference. But, you know, obviously the, the, there's going to be one team out of the NFC East. That's it. There's going to be, uh, probably two teams out of the NFC South. There's going to be a, uh, one or two teams out of the NFC North. And then you have all four teams in the NFC West that are fighting. So, uh, you know, the 49ers right now are one and two in the division. They've beaten the Rams. It, it really, in a lot of ways, could come down to that game after the bye week where the 49ers go play the Rams again. So they're two games behind 
the Rams and the Cardinals uh, for second place in the division, it's going to be really difficult. Um, But I mean, the only thing that, that they can do is not focus on the playoffs. It's like you said, it's, they got to take care of business against the, the saints on Sunday. You, You can't look too far down the road. And if, if the 49ers chances are solely based on if they can beat the saints this coming Sunday, I would tell you that their chances aren't real great because the saints are, probably the hottest team in the league in the 49 and, and they're a team that's getting stronger. Yeah. You know, they added Quan Alexander, uh, Michael, uh, Mike, Michael Thomas is back now. Emmanuel Sanders is, is playing pretty well as he's back in the lineup. Drew Brees is Drew Brees. And that defense for the saints is, is probably better than it's ever been. Whereas the 49ers are continuing to lose guys and they're still, still losing more guys than they're getting back. But I guess this week, the exception would be you know, with Trent Williams and Brandon Ayuk potentially coming back. So th- this game does not set up well for the 49ers. If they win it, absolutely, they're in the playoff hunt. If they lose it, it I wouldn't say it knocks them out, but it certainly closes that window yeah. for them. I'd still say that it's, it's their long shots to, to make the playoffs, but... That's why they play the games. You know, you, you just never know how things are going to turn out. And, you know, some of these teams that are going so well for the, for the uh, you know, around the league, you know, who's to say that the same bad luck that, that hit the 49ers throughout the season up to this point doesn't hit those teams later in the season. So you just never know. They're in the playoff picture for sure. But I'd say right now, uh, the way I look at it is they're they're pretty clearly on the outside looking in. Yeah. 49ers heading to New Orleans this week. Following that is their week 11 by a much needed bye week. Uh, hopefully to get some key players back, as we said earlier, uh, still uncertain about Debo Samuel has a potential to return, but it was held out of practice on, on Wednesday. Um, Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman, uh, Kyle Shanahan said he's looking at more so that week 12 against the Rams. Uh, Sherman also in that same boat. But there's a couple of other names that still I think there are those lingering question marks like Ronald Blair, Weston Richburg, D. Ford. Uh, what's your take on the 49ers' potential of getting some of these guys back? Maybe let's say things do go their way against the Saints as we look towards the latter half of the season. Yeah, I, I really haven't heard too much about the likelihood or possibility that those guys will be back. My guess is if they get one of those guys back, that's a win. Um, And if they get two back, that's really good news. You know, so, I mean, I think Ronald Blair is a guy that they could really use because that outside pass rush has been lacking. Uh, You know, it went from, the pass rush as a whole, the defensive line as a whole, went from being the strength of the team last year to you know, a position that's really been hit hard uh, through injuries. So Ronald Blair coming back w- would be good news. We'll see how Daniel Brunskill plays at center, yeah. but uh, you know he he played pretty well against the Packers. So maybe maybe that move there that they made to get him into the lineup at center, uh, moving over from right guard and then bringing Tom Compton into the starting role. Maybe that's something that kind of solidifies uh, 
the offensive line a little bit. And then with D Ford again, you know, kind of in the same position where he's had the back issue. Uh, it just, it, it just seems so delicate and, and kind of iffy whether he returns this season. And if he does return at what level is he going to play at? So I guess in my mind, maybe Ronald Blair has the, the best chance of coming back uh, at some point after the bye, but I don't know that the 49ers are in a position where they can really count on or expect any of those guys to be back and make a contribution this season. Yeah. We got a question from Jess. Jess reached out on Twitter and wanted to know, she wanted to know, is there any insight as to the atmosphere of the 49ers locker room right now? I know you and I typically were in the locker room on any other season, but this year, obviously, for obvious reasons, is a lot different than what we're used to. But we're talking to these guys on Zoom calls, and, and what comes to mind, I think about when we talk to Fred Warner and his outlook on the season. We talked to Mike McGlinchey this week and his feelings about this 49ers team and their potential. Um, what's been your take on the mood, what's what's the vibe of this locker room while dealing with these injuries, knowing where you're sitting, you're not where you want to be, but what? how is this team kind of taking everything as it is going forward? Yeah, it, it is a tough one to gauge. What what my sense has been is that, yeah, I mean, there's disappointment where the, where the, the season is going, but maybe more than that, there's disappointment for – you know, the guys in the locker room who have been, uh, you know, who have seen their fellow teammates and, and brothers be sidelined by injuries. I, you know, I think that that probably takes precedent over anything that, you know, these guys are friends with these, with these guys. And, and so, you know, I don't, I don't, when, when a guy like Nick Bosa goes out with an ACL tear or Solomon Thomas or, uh, you know, George Kittle goes down with an injury. I don't think anybody on the team is is thinking, oh, darn, you know, there goes our season. It's more, oh, man, that's feels so bad for Nick or Solomon or George. So it's more, I think, on a, on a personal basis uh, rather than, you know, a look at how it actually impacts the team. Yeah. But I, from what I gather, uh, I mean, these guys are, are professionals and they – you know, they approach it from a very serious standpoint. You know, Fred Warner has been a, a bright spot for this team that he just continues to go out, you know, while guys around him are leaving the lineup, guys in front of him are leaving the lineup. He just, he sticks to what he knows. He prepares like he knows, and he goes out and, and tries to play good football and tries to make a difference. So, I mean, I haven't gotten the sense at all that, you know, the team has just cashed it in and said, uh, you know, let's, let's try it again next year. There's, there's a lot of pride there. There's a lot of camaraderie yeah. there. And so I, I don't, I don't think that anything has really changed. You know, I mean, some of the personalities aren't around uh, like they were a year ago, but um, I, I don't get the sense that there's this just overwhelming sense of, frustration and uh, guys ready to just turn the page and give up on the season. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the official below the waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. 
That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. Uh, we talked about it a little bit at the top of the pod, but I want to now preview uh, Week 10 against New Orleans Saints. Last year was an obvious thriller, had plenty of NFC implications, but New Orleans, as we've talked about, is going to be a tough matchup for San Francisco. They are playing uh, at a high level, one of the top teams, if not the top team in the NFC to beat. Uh, riding high after that 35-point victory over the Buccaneers last week, what do you see as the top storyline heading into Sunday? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> I mentioned him just a little while ago. Fred Warner against Alvin oh, yeah. Kamara. I think that that is the storyline because of just the, you know, it's kind of rare that the best player on one team is kind of matched up in a way against the best player on another team. And I don't know that you will argue with me on this one, Kiana, <laughs> but in my mind, Fred Warner has so clearly been the best player on the 49ers this season yeah. from, from the standpoint of what he's done on the field, from the standpoint of him just being on the field and, and being a, you know, kind of an Iron Man out there every snap and just the production and, and what he means to the team. And then you have Alvin Kamara, who is a, an incredible offensive force and might be, I mean, he's certainly on the short list for NFL Offensive Player of the Year based on his ability to run the football, uh, score with the ball in his hands as a runner, catch the football he already has 60 receptions for more than 500 yards receiving his ability to, to score as a pass catcher he's just a dynamic threat for the saints and to, to see him kind of matched up against fred warner or looking at it the other way fred warner matched up against him yeah. uh, it might not be the matchup that swings the game one way or another but it's certainly something that I think will uh, will be you know must see TV. Something that we'll all be kind of looking at to see how Fred Warner, a guy who's been so good in coverage, uh, how he matches up against you know, the best pass catching running back in the league right now. Yeah, uh, has that name, that moniker, All Pro Fred, uh, literally in line. I mean, if he continues to play the way he is certainly uh, should get that recognition that he rightfully deserves after the season he's been having. Um, but let's look at the, this game as a whole. Is there a position group, especially on this 49ers team that you think has to excel in order for the 49ers to hang on in this match? Yeah, I, I'd say it would be the offensive line yeah. and, you know, maybe it's a, it's not going to be easy, but it's easier going to New Orleans without the crowd there. There will be about 6,000 people. So, you know, they'll be able to hear the snap count and get off, um, you know, not, not not get beaten off the snap of the ball like a lot of teams uh, have, have experienced when they go to New Orleans. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Saints do have a good pass rush. Their defense, I think, is better than it's been in a long time. Uh, this Trey Hendrickson guy, uh, coming off the edge is has a quite a motor. We all know about Cam Jordan, but if if Mike McGlinchey, if Trent Williams kind of hold up their end of the bargains on the on the edges uh, and allow Nick Mullins a little bit of time in the pocket to make some throws to distribute the football, and if the 49ers are able to 
move the ball, if they're able to get the running game going a little bit with Jarek McKinnon and maybe a little bit of Jamichael Hasty, if they're able to, you know, connect on third and fours and keep the chains moving, yeah. every first down that the 49ers offense makes, every third down completion that Nick Mullins makes that moves the chains, that means a little bit more time on the sideline for Alvin Kamara, uh, for <laughs> Michael Thomas, for Drew Brees and Emmanuel Sanders. So all that stuff is going to play into it. 49ers have an opportunity uh, against a good defense to control the game with ball control. I, I don't see the 49ers hitting the Saints with big plays. You know, I don't think you're going to see three play 75 yard scoring drives. You're going to see more, you know, 11 play 75 yard scoring drives. And, and that's, that's okay with the 49ers. As long as they eat up the clock, as long as the drive ends up in points, then their chance of winning this game increases because you're keeping Drew Brees over there on the sideline. So to me, it's it's all about the offensive line, setting the tone, running the ball effectively, and maybe more importantly, giving Nick Mullins enough time to find open receivers. Yeah, you brought it up. This is going to be the 49ers' first game of the year with fans in the stands uh, at the Superdome. There will be 6,000 fans, I believe, inside the building. Uh, I remember last year, I believe you're there. I don't think you've missed a game. Uh, last year and just the crowd noise there at the Superdome. I've never – everyone says that, you know, CenturyLink Field – is one of the loudest, but being there at the Superdome and just hearing that crowd, I, I don't understand how anyone on offense was able to hear a single thing, but um, that, I mean, that's going to be a completely different dynamic for the team that they are certainly embracing, getting some people in the building, even if it is opposing fans there. Um, but well, you're lucky on it. If you remember last year, there were a lot of 49 That is true. Fans. And I mean, of course, I would never, ever in a million years go down Bourbon Street, <laughs> but from what I was told, there are a lot of 49er fans, like 49er fans pretty much engulfed and took over Bourbon Street yeah. uh, Friday night, Saturday night before the game. And from what I'm told, uh, Sunday night after that game. So here's my thought is that there's going to be 6,000 fans there. I bet you there's going to be some red. I would Ooh. think that 49ers have, 49ers have a lot of fans in the South that uh, a lot of those fans will know that this is their one opportunity, the only opportunity fans have had to watch the 49ers. And I would bet there will be a pretty healthy percentage of 49er fans uh, out there watching the game. So, uh yeah, it should be interesting to see. It won't be the environment, but it'll be the first time that fans of the 49ers can see this team live and in person for the 2020 season. I'm a witness. I You might avoid Bourbon Street, Matt, but I actually, it was my first time in New Orleans, so I felt like I had to. Um, so I got to experience Bourbon Street and walk around the streets of New Orleans. And when I tell you, that 49ers fans were there. They were representing. They had on their red and gold. Um, and, and as you saw, like in looking at that game and in the stands, a lot of fans uh, showed up at the Superdome. So I, I, I agree. I think there will be a, a, a decent amount. I mean, it's not going to be overwhelming given you only have 6,000 allowed in the building, but I think there will be a decent amount of 49ers fans in the building. I know uh, the team will certainly appreciate that something that's been missed this year. Um, well, before I let you go, I want to talk about something that you wrote about 
on NBC Sports Bay Area, you wrote a piece on one of the underappreciated players from last year's win over New Orleans. Everyone thinks of George Kittle and that fourth and two and, you know, carrying three defenders with him uh, into Saints territory. But Robbie Gold is an underappreciated hero of that contest, winning that game-winning field goal. Uh, after you spoke with him and writing this piece, what did you learn from Gold and just the pressures of those game-winning moments? Well, it's funny because I had a couple of uh, friends, a couple of uh, couples from the Bay Area who met me in New Orleans for that game. And, and one guy, you know, has his 49ers starter jacket and his wife was there and then another couple. And he couldn't even watch the final few minutes of that game. And, <laughs> and when the Saints took the lead, you know, he buried his, his head in his hands and was inconsolable. And then the 40 hours moved down there. And so you can imagine what it was like for a fan, whether at the game or on your couch, when George Kittle makes that play, they get down within field goal range. And now here comes Robbie gold for the game winning <laughs> kick. And it's not, you, you miss it and you go to overtime. It's you either win it or you lose it right here. And so you know, I know that fans were just either couldn't watch, you know, their, their hearts pounding out their chest, their, their palms are sweaty. So I asked Robbie Gold, like, what's your body going through? What kind of physiological changes is your body going through when you go out there for that kick? And he said, nothing. I will come on. Nothing. nothing. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I prepare every, for every kick as if it's a game winner. And he goes, it's all about preparation. And I, I said to him, I said, Hey, give me some self-help advice, right? <laughs> whether you're, whether you're a basketball player who's standing on the free throw line with a chance to win it in the closing seconds, whether you're somebody who's entering a boardroom and you have to give you, give the presentation of your life, heck, whether you're a frontline worker and trust me, I'm not trying to compare being a frontline worker with kicking a football, but a lot of those same principles apply, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you, when you're in a high pressure, high stakes situation, remain focused and not let the nerves get to you. And his thing was, it's all about preparation. If you prepare during the week for you know, the worst case scenarios, the best case scenarios, this is what this situation could be like, and you put yourself in that position, uh, then when that time comes, you've already gone through it. And there's no reason to stress out about it because the stress comes from not doing the prep work. So he says Wednesday and Thursdays are his most stressful days or his biggest days at work because that's when he does all the studying, all the prep work, all the, you know, that's when he covers all the bases. And once you get to the game, you've already gone through it in your mind. You've already gone through it physically. You've already put yourself in that spot so that there are no surprises. So maybe that's easier said than done. But I think through the fact that Robbie Gold is in his 16th year as an NFL kicker. And we see a lot of talented guys in and out of the league in the snap of the finger. And here's my snap of the finger. <laughs> but you see that. So what cuts, what, what breaks him apart from the rest is that 
he has somehow managed to do just that, that, that he's kind of conquered the mental side of the game. And so to me, that's something that kind of everybody can, can relate to and, and strive to improve that, that mental side, whatever your job is, whatever pressures you've come through, if you can kind of prepare yourself, that takes a lot off your shoulders as far as the pressure side of it, knowing in your mind that you've done everything you could to prepare for those moments. Did we just, did I just get like a self-help book here? I you feel like did. now I feel like I can, I can, I can attack anything. <laughs> and, and now uh, my, uh, the, the book that I'm putting out and the tapes are available uh, for 1999. Mm-hmm. You order now and you get a free pair of uh, snake steak knives. So uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Uh, Matt Mayoko, you never know what you're going to get. We get self-help books. We can get some steak knives. Uh, we get a little bit of 49ers insight. Uh, it is always, always a pleasure having you. We appreciate, again, your insight uh, as the 49ers insider. For I ask you this every year, and I, I always forget the number, but I think we're at 26 years. Is this year 26? I, I think it is 26. There we go. I, it is. Six and Kiana, you also forgot to mention that you and I are colleagues. That is true. That we appear not together, but we appear at separate times on 49ers pregame live That's on true. NBC Sports Bay Area. And as every Sunday, we will be appearing at 9 a.m. So giving you a plug because you do tremendous work uh, for the 49ers, 49ers.com, as well as us at NBC Sports Bay Area. And your armchair quarterback show is an immediate hit. It, it appears live on Monday evenings and throughout the week. So uh, just want to give you a big props and and a and a little applause uh, for you the work you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, join join in, Matt. Uh, usually, I'm I'm listening into what he's saying, and that's where I get all of my knowledge from. Uh, creeping in on what Matt's talking about. But yeah, you can catch both myself and Matt uh, every game day on NBC Sports Bay Area at 9 a.m. for a pregame live as we're breaking down the upcoming matchup. Uh, also, again, yeah, Armchair Quarterback. That's every Monday live on Facebook at 12 noon. You can watch it on NBC Sports Bay Area at 4 p.m. and throughout the rest of the week. Also, got to throw in another plug. Uh, you, I know you can always catch Mayoko's amazing work on NBC Sports Bay Area, but also we have Mayoko's take on 49ers.com. It's like your own personal column uh, to preview whatever it might be, if it's the upcoming game. Um, if I know a couple of weeks ago it, you were writing about Robert Sala and Fred Warner. Um, so it's just other things you can catch uh, Matt Mayoko wants. So Mayoko's take on 49ers.com, which we love to read every single week. Uh, Matt, it is a pleasure having you. Uh, let's do this again sometime, hopefully maybe later on down the season. And maybe we have uh, something else to talk about. Maybe we are talking about that uh, P word that everyone is asking about the playoffs. You never know. Uh, but yeah, you never know. It, stranger things have happened. Yes, absolutely. Just saying. Kiana, thank you very much for having me on and uh, look forward to seeing you Sunday morning at Levi's Stadium when we tape the show. Can't wait. I'll see you on Sunday. All right, see you again.